It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Whatever you've got on this weekend, don't miss a moment in the world of sport. Wherever you are around the country, we've got you covered. This is SENZ. It's just gone 3 o'clock here on SENZ. Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Paul through till 5 o'clock. Uh, plenty of text messages to get through still as well on the rugby. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. You can call us as well. 0800 150 811 to have your say on what you saw in Wellington last night. This one uh, text has come through. Uh, no name on it, but saying Foster must go to save the face of New Zealand uh, to save face for New Zealand rugby. We have become a laughing stock of world rugby. The coaching group is not up to it. Plumtree, Feek, McLeod, Strawbridge, Hill, Fox must go. Need to give Razor the job. Clean the slate. Let him select his own coaching group and his own squad. Uh, that is a text that has just come through. I. I uh, can't say I disagree with too much of it, but can you get your thoughts? Keep them coming through on double eight double three. Uh, Ian Foster uh, didn't talk to the media today. There was a scheduled press conference today. Uh, it is traditional for the All Blacks to do one at the end of a series. Uh, they have cancelled it. What that means, I don't know. Although they have put out a statement which suggests that they are going to back Foster. Um, here is what Foster had to say after the game last night. Well, it's first and foremost, I just want to congratulate Olin on a series win here. Um, you know, it was a, we knew it was a big series when they came. Um, we, we've watched them the last eight, 18 months. They're a quality rugby team and they're a, a big test for us. And, and at the end of the day, we, we fell a bit short to, to a quality team. So, um, look, we, we tried hard. We, we wanted to start well. Again, we made a couple of defensive errors early that got put us under a lot of pressure. Um, came back really strong, and but you know we just they wrestled a little bit of momentum at key points in that second half that really um, that really stopped us really having a good crack at it. So you know that's a, and that's a mark of a confident team that knows their game at the moment and. And clearly, we've got a little bit of work to do. Look, I, I just want to talk about this test match. Sam, your perspective out there from a captain's point of view, will we let that go wrong? 
Yeah, we didn't get off to the, the best of starts. Um, they're a hard team to keep my blokes in consistent momentum against. We experienced it a little bit in the first test. Um, we managed to get things guard. Started off the, the second half fairly well, but um, as Fozzie alluded to, they sort of managed to wrestle it back. Um, and it's hard to get the, the, the game flying um, with some of our sort of more the defensive reads, a couple of softest tries, and um, our inability to build pressure. I thought we did hold on to the ball. We did start to find um, some space and get guys one on one, but um, credit to Ireland. We got a, we got a heck of a lot of respect for them as a footy team and, and as players in the nation, and um, they come down here. They really tested us and. We were beaten by a bit of size tonight. Ian, how do you galvanise this group and, and try and get them out of this, this current hole? What is the way forward for this all-back team at the moment? Look, we'll go and do what, you know, we've got to go and analyse that, that series deeply again. You know, we, um, it's, there, there was a series that we had I guess a number of disruptions to our original plans when we go and went into it, but we were able to to, to build a number of parts of our game. Like we didn't, um, you know, we probably weren't as bothered by line speed as what we've been before. Um, there's a few things that I think that actually we we got right, but we we're just not getting enough big moments right, and and we're certainly not getting the start right. So. Look, we'll, we'll go away, but there's a number of new people who have exposed to what, what I think was a, a very intense series for us, one we haven't had for a while, and it's given a, a, a you know a massive marker for this particular group about where we're at. So, no doubt we have to roll our sleeves up and get a lot of work done. Yeah, I'm not sure that question, Sav, sorry. Even though the team has come back, yep. back up, it's still, the results could come down to Well, I, I guess you could look at it that way. You look at they, they squeezed us, you know, when they when when we were really had a lot of momentum in that second half, we were we were doing things that we we really wanted to do against them. Whereas in the first half I thought we got a little bit um, got a little bit too loose at times. Second half, we, we carried a lot more direct. We actually some of our counter attack stuff was working well, but there was a couple of times, particularly post line breaks, where we just couldn't quite get our support on the man quick enough, and those moments hurt. So, um, but yeah, we'll we'll dig into that. Well, I guess the first thing, you know, it's first and foremost, I think New Zealand has probably got to realise that this is a very good Irish team and and give them some credit. And I think it would be um, disrespectful for us just to, um, to not make that the number one item. You know, they've come and achieved something pretty special here and and, and I think they deserve a bit of a, 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 a bit of time in the sun for that. For us, it's... You know, we're a group working hard. We're 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 working on solutions. We've got a lot of belief in, in the solution in, in many of the solutions we've got, but we've now got to get better at executing them. And 
And so we've been given a, a real marker in the sand for where we're at. I think it was a similar question to the last one I got asked. So I'd just rather talk about the test match now. Um, not really, because we talked a lot about it, and we, we and, and there's different things you do at the start that that try things, you know that. Um, but you know we're just for some reason we're just not as calm. I think particularly calm defence. It's more the defence area that we are just we're getting a little bit fidgety early. We let a few holes and 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 Ireland aren't a team that you can allow to get behind you because they. they 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 play an up tempo. That's that is when they play an up tempo game, and so, and we've done that, and and it's um and it's hurt us. So you know we worked on some things, but again we just made a couple of little errors early, and then they got that early momentum. Yes. Well, he's got a broken cheekbone from a head-on-head -head contact. I think so. I put my finger on it. We just sort it, sort it that quickly. But um, we had a lot of confidence going into this weekend because of how hard we'd worked and what we'd been able to put out on the training park. Um, but out, out there, um, just too inconsistent with the, the good moments and the bad moments, and not able to go back to back. Well, when we go back to back, good stuff. We look flash. We look, we got the job done um, for periods, but. Um, too many times we're, yeah, we're not backing those up um, and look I know for a fact the, the boys are, are trying extremely hard and are hurting a lot right now um, so I think the only good thing that can come out of this is that we use it as fuel to get better if we don't learn if we don't use this whole experience the last of this series to learn and be better then it's just wasted so um, we just got to pick ourselves up real quickly um, find solutions look at positives and and find a way to go forward from it because if we don't then it's just it's just wasted oh it was just felt we needed some some fresh legs you know just trying to keep the momentum going so it wasn't reflective on him or his leadership it was just the the you know we were we we'd got momentum then we'd lost it back again and I just felt we needed to make a couple of tweaks 
Yeah, interesting. Thought we needed to make a couple of tweaks, as has been pointed out. Uh, do you think if Richie McCaw was the captain of the All Blacks and you were down in a test and the opponents were attacking your line with 15 minutes to go, that you'd sub him off? Maybe Peter Romani wasn't entirely incorrect. Uh, let's just say that, shall we? Uh, can you get your thoughts, though, on what Foster said? Post mentioned the fact that nobody is fronted from New Zealand rugby today, despite them supposedly having a press conference scheduled for today. And keen to hear from you on 0800 150 811 or 8833 is the text line. When we come back, Christy Doran joins us out of Australia to talk the reaction from that side of the ditch. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. The first lefty to win a major, very own Sir Bob Charles. Every year since I don't about 2000, that we come back here to St Andrews, go inside and have dinner with a few. This is SENZ, 17 past three on your Sunday afternoon. Ricardo Ball with you through till five o'clock. Keep your texts going through. Double eight, double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine few texts that have been coming through. We could lose four on the trot here with having to go to South Africa next. No wonder there's an urgent review. I just don't think there's an easy fix where we're at. New Zealand rugby might need to dig into the Silver Lake cash to pay out these coaches and refresh the environment. We need to target every game. But with where we are at, maybe we do need to get ourselves right by the Rugby World Cup. Look at what Dame Nolene did with the Silver Ferns. It can be done. That one was from Hammy. Thanks for your text, Hammy. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. The Temper Bed Post text machine. A man who will have a different take on things, I'm sure, from uh, his vantage point on the other side of the ditch is Christy Doran. G'day, Christy. How you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good to join you. Yeah, mate. It's great having you uh, on the show. Of course, you've just finished a, a great series against the Poms yourself um, that you've been covering for Fox Sports. Um, I mean, that felt like a great series and one that could have gone either way, right? I mean, Dave Rennie, I don't think, has lost any uh, any of his mojo, uh, even though he's lost that series 2-1. I think you're probably underplaying that, understating that just a little bit. You, you think about mojo, you think about winning, you think about doing things, you know, as a coach, having the Midas touch. You know, last night we saw England and Eddie Jones be able to do that because, you know, he makes a, a rather bold coaching move by you know, replacing his halfback after 37 minutes and just a couple of minutes later England score in the corner and they don't look back, they, they lead for the rest of the match. Uh, that, that's a really deflating series loss for the Wallabies. There was 43,500 at the SCG. There was gold everywhere. Um, it came off the back of a famous win in, in Perth just two weeks ago. And you know the, the thing that has just haunted the Wallabies for more than a decade is consistency or their lack of. And we saw once again that over the last two weeks, you know, lots of character shown, but at the end of the day, people don't remember character. They remember wins and losses. And at the moment, Dave Rennie has got a coaching winning percentage of about 50%, and that's not nearly good enough. So there's problems either side of the ditch. I think the difference between the two countries, between Australia and New Zealand at the moment, is that everyone is still behind Dave Rennie. He will be coaching the Wallabies through to the World Cup next year. I had that confirmed this morning. And secondly, people know where they're going under David Rennie. I think underneath Ian Foster at the moment, there's uncertainty everywhere. And certainly the uncertainty breeds a lack of confidence and direction. And we're seeing that play out at the moment. Oh, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, 
but I, I mean, the difference I think is uh, we had Matt Burke on uh, earlier on in the show um, with Justin Marshall, and just talking about you know how how many points the Wallabies left on the field last night, particularly in that sort of opening fifteen twenty minutes. The All Blacks don't seem to be able to do that. Like, you know, the All Blacks lost a game where they're not creating chances. They don't seem to have any cohesion. The Wallabies are creating those chances. They are giving themselves opportunities to score. They are pulling teams apart, but they're not capitalising. And that's that's another problem, but at least you kind of, it feels like you're halfway there, if you know what I mean. Okay, we'll put it this way. The Wallabies have been leaving points in the field for 20 years. The All Blacks haven't. So, you know, that, that's why there's the, the bit of the difference there with New Zealand because you're not used to losing. You're not used to balls not going to hand. Um, they always seem to against the Wallabies or at least two out of three matches a year or, or one out of two. Uh, it's the same old story. It's rinse and repeat. Um, you know, you, you can't... You know, it's, it's, it's since, since Michael Checker took over, we, we saw a, a good period, a period of promise throughout a World Cup, but they were pretty fortunate to get out of the quarterfinal because they probably should have been sunk by Scotland at Twickenham. It didn't happen. They go on. But ever since then, it, it's, been, it's been, you know, one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. Um, I, I still don't think the Wallabies are a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. You, you, you look at how many injuries that they had, um, you, you can't understate how disruptive that is. You know, Dave Randy had to turn to four different fullbacks throughout the course of the series there. I look across the ditch and I think Ireland, you know, they they stayed pretty healthy and maybe that's a, a sign and a reflection of their um, their conditioning staff that they managed to get their, their team completely fit and staying on the paddock. Similarly, the All Blacks didn't have too many players out injured. You look, though, at the Wallabies and they had... 10 players out injured, another one suspended. You know, that's too much for a Wallabies team that's, that has always had questions about its depth, particularly the last 15 years. Um, but England too, they also were missing players. Uh, Mano Tuolangi, Kyle Sinclair, um, Henry Slade didn't even tour. And then they lost three of their better forwards, including Mara Toja in Brisbane. And, and, and none of those guys took part in the game last night. The difference is that that the Wallabies had those injuries right throughout the course of the series and they were on the second or third player in each of those um, positions. So, oh, look, I don't think it's quite as rosy as the, the picture that Matt Burke's um, talking Australian rugby up, but I do think that there is a bit more depth here, that there's a difference between, you know, showing character and winning. And, and that's why you guys have got a lot more... Um, money in the bank there that you can draw upon. But, you know, you even look at Ian Foster's record at the moment, I think it's still hovering around uh, at least 66%. You compare that with Rennie, uh, it's 50%. They haven't won a Bledisloe in a couple of years underneath him, and in fact, you know, 20 years. So uh, at some stage, you've got to stop being gallant and defeat and actually winning. And, and how much of a psychological blow these past two tests um, have been, we'll see over over the coming months. So, I mean, what you were saying there about, you know, the uh, ball not going to hand for the Wallabies of the last sort of twenty years and things—that doesn't sound like it's a Rennie thing. Is it? Is it a depth thing? Is it a skills execution thing? Is it just where rugby union sits in the sporting landscape of Australia? Oh, there's a bit of that. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why people like Matt Burton are now entering the discussion when he comes up for contract at the end of the next year. Um, but you know. The, the depth is actually better than it's been before. You know, a Wallabies team that's been 10, 10 injured um, 
deep and having to go to the reserves in previous years wouldn't have got close. Um, I just think that the Wallabies tried to play too much rugby last night. Mm. You know, Australia at times needs to learn and know where its place is. And, and we saw England not play particularly play well last night, but they managed to eke out a win. And that's what good sides do. The Wallabies have depth. And they actually still ran, put out a, a pretty good team last night. Um, and certainly in Brisbane too. But, but you, you know, by running the ball out of the own 22, from going side to side, by not going through the middle, um, by playing your back row out of it, by just simply spreading the ball. We saw Noah Lolaseo, um lose possession in the middle of the field around the halfway mark. And Marcus Smith only needed to pick up the scraps and run 50 metres to score the try. That was a huge, huge moment in the game. But that came from the Wallabies playing too much rugby. And, and that's the question over Dave Rennie. He's, he's a good coach. He's got all the support of the players, the administration. He's, he's tidied up the culture of the players. But is he playing this idyllic New Zealand kind of brand of rugby where, you know, the Chiefs could do it in 2012 and 2013 with guys like Aaron Cruden pulling the strings. But... But at this moment, are the Wallabies' skills quite there? I'm not sure. But will they ever get there? I'm not sure either. I think I think they just need to dumb down their brand of rugby and do what Quade Cooper did so well last year against the Springboks, which was under, play a very understated game, play for territory, kick the points when they're off. You know, last night they scored two tries to um, eat a piece, England and Australia. But once again, Owen Farrell's boot, just was, was the case in 2016, proved the difference. So I think it's just about playing the situation more so than the actual depth. It's interesting. What's the reaction been to the All Blacks' performances against Ireland over over your part of the world? I don't think anyone's surprised. Are you surprised? No one's surprised, are they? Well, New Zealand rugby is surprised, but I think they're the only ones. Of course it. Yeah, well, of course they're going to bury their heads in the sand, given that they're the guys that appointed. In Foster at the end of 2019, when the you know not just New Zealand but the entire world knew that a three-time Super Rugby winner at the time in Scott Robertson was the 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 hot the hot subject at the time. Um, you know, any any longer that New Zealand sit on this and don't make the call um, is just going to you know two two tests against South Africa. Good luck. Um, we we saw them close out a. A series victory against Wales, and that can't be underestimated. Um, I, I think New Zealand rugby is delaying the inevitable um, by not acting on this on this soon. And you know, there's three weeks now. You imagine that there's going to be some tense board meetings over the next three days, and if a if a decision isn't made by the end of next week or the coming week. I'll be, I'll be staggered because, unfortunately, Ian Foster, you know, you, you just have to look at it. You know, back-to-back defeats for the first time since 98 on home soil, losing to Argentina for the first time, um, a, a draw against the Wallabies in, in Wellington. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of, you know, and back-to-back defeats to close out last year, four out of the last five. You know, the, the stats paint a pretty ugly picture. And... And absolutely, they're not the, the team that they were in 2015 when you had the greats and anyone could pick it, um, pick the squad. But it, it seems like they don't necessarily have a, a team that's playing for the coach. It seems like the coach isn't quite sure about whether or not he wants to play Richie Moanga or Bowden Barrett in the 10 jersey. Why on earth he hasn't been starting Will Jordan in the 15 jersey, I don't understand. There's 
There's issues around the back row. The discipline's been poor. Um, the list goes on and on under Ethan Foster. It does, mate. It does. And under Mark Robinson, it's got to be said too, the CEO, the, a couple of weeks ago, they uh, New Zealand Rugby did a massive presentation talking up being more open and accessible to the media. Today, they had a scheduled press conference, which they do at the end of every series, uh, and they cancelled it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that we, we, it doesn't surprise me. And uh, I know that people will think that um, the Wallabies don't deserve an equal footing at the table. Um, but let's be honest, um, the decision and the contempt that New Zealand rugby and the New Zealand rugby board by not standing up to the All Blacks, by getting him on a plane to playing the Wallabies last year in Perth was, was a disgrace. And it showed the arrogance of New Zealand rugby and the arrogance of the New Zealand rugby board by allowing that to occur. This is a Wallabies side that was had to do their own quarantine um, in New Zealand, um, was there for week on week, weeks and weeks, you know, turned up to Perth expecting for a game to be played um, and, and at the same time had, you know, changed their own plans to play a second game in New Zealand soil before getting over um, in, in the three-match test series. You know, what kind of side, with the exception of perhaps a, Andy Farrell coached Irish team um, who, who clearly have just beaten the All Blacks in consecutive games. But that, that's extraordinary and it's very rare. And the Wallabies pretty much, I think, gave up last year's Bledisloe Cup by deciding to play back-to-back tests in the interests of not just the ANZAC Treaty between Australia and New Zealand, but world rugby. And, and it was a disgrace that... Mark Robinson wasn't able to get the All Blacks on the flight last year. Yeah, you're not wrong. This is what he had. So just to keep you up to speed, Christy, this is what we did get from New Zealand Rugby today after they cancelled the presser. Congratulations to the Irish team for their well-deserved win last night, but clearly the performance across the series for the All Blacks was not acceptable as we know they have reflected. Great grammar too. We all know there is a huge amount of work to do. Our focus now is to work with Ian and his team to understand thoroughly in advance of the rugby championship what is needed to improve performance and where to from here. We will begin work on this immediately. Um, outside of what must be as a journalist making you cringe and that grammar, uh, that message doesn't sound like they're making a change anytime soon, does it? Well, I think they don't know what to do just yet. They're, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. Um, I would have been staggered if, if conversations didn't occur last week. Um, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is that they were comprehensively beaten by an Irish team, which, um, you know, we know is a, is a very good performing, consistent side. It would have been remarkable if there weren't any conversations last week um, uh, taken place. Um, you know, but we also saw last night the the All Blacks media manager, new media manager, kind of interrupt and and when when journalists were pressing Ian Foster on his coaching future. Now, you know that's just the, the the journalists are entitled to ask those questions, and they have been asking those questions for a couple of years. But to but to stop that line of questioning, I thought wasn't particularly fair for the situation. What, what it was. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually, there's a senior journalist over this part of the world that I was talking to um, after the second test and um, you know I, I said something to him about you know um, whether or not he would feel comfortable writing a story that might get him offside with Ian Foster and he said that he was already offside with Ian Foster and that he had actually had an invite to Foster's house to talk about the stories he was writing 
and was basically told to pull his head in and, and, and fall in line. And he said, well, look, you know, my job is to call it as I see it. And when he didn't fall in line, uh, that journalist heard from a, another member of the All Black staff that uh, Foster thought he had betrayed him and was aghast that he would say things about him like this in the media. Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me, though, because we've been hearing these sorts of stories for quite a while now. Um, you know, it's, it's all well and good when you're winning, isn't it? And um, unfortunately, uh, I think there was, and, and people like Rod Kafer and other, other respected people in the rugby community had become increasingly tiresome with how the All Blacks were uh, acting. And this isn't just in the last couple of years. This is towards the back end of the Steve Hansen uh, regime. I think it goes back in there. And, of course, Ian Foster, who was Hansen's right-hand man for a long, long time, you know, he would have seen that. He would have learnt from him. But the reality, when the push comes to shove, they haven't been nearly good enough, have they, the All Blacks? And, And questions are quite rightly being asked. Yeah, they are. They're very much being asked, mate. I mean, uh, a couple of other things before I let you go. Uh, how, I mean, you know, with a name like Christy Doran, I'm pretty sure you, you, you had a green jersey on for the first half of last night. Um, how confident are you uh, putting your yellow jersey back on or your gold jersey back on of, of maybe having a proper crack at the Bledisloe this season, given where the All Blacks are at? Oh, look... You know, journalists, we're, we're supposed to be pretty impartial when it comes to these things, so let's not get carried away. But if, if you know, reflecting on it and, and seeing where these two teams measure up, I think the Wallabies, and as I said earlier in the conversation, I think the Wallabies will be quite confident. That they, they, you know, Dave Rennie has been speaking now for two years saying that this side's not performing to, to its capability, and that's absolutely for certain. The only way the Wallabies, though, get close to a, even to an Ian Foster coach um, all black side is to not try to beat New Zealand at their own game. You know, we, we saw a great manipulation of attack from the, from the Irish over the last three tests where they play the short side a lot. They end up going back the same way a lot. They manipulate the ruck um, and they have an outstanding kicking game, which is always putting competitive, contestable kicks up. We haven't seen enough of that. And the only time we saw the Wallabies did that against New Zealand in the last couple of years, really, was in that first test. I think it was actually at the Cape Tin as well in, in Wellington in, in 2020, where it was a 16-year-old draw and Reese Hodge hits the post and probably should have won the game for the Wallabies there with a penalty short after, shortly after two, which wasn't awarded. But they can't try to match the skill set, the, the flair that, that the All Blacks play with. And that's not what Ireland have done. It's not what France have done in recent matches when they've had success. And it's not what England did at the 2019 World Cup either. You can't try to beat New Zealand at their own game. Um, and, if they, and if they do play a more Northern Hemisphere-style rugby match, the Wallabies, I think that they've got more of an opportunity. I wouldn't rule them out. I think the, the best thing for Australian rugby is that Ian Foster stays as All Blacks coach. Yeah, okay. Uh, and Christy, just before I let you go, one thing I did notice in the game last night, didn't seem to be a lot made of it or as much made of it um, as I thought there should have been. Johnny Hill, who must be Australian rugby fans' new uh, favourite villain, uh, holding Samu hmm. Karevi out of the line for that final try. Are you surprised that didn't get picked up? Oh, look, I was surprised by a couple of things last night. Even Samu Karevi made head-on-head contact in a, in a tackle and he got absolutely thrown to the ground, got really run over uh, by Dallas by Genge yet because he actually went flying backwards himself and, and Genge wasn't hurt in the slightest. 
the officials and the team I didn't rule on it. You know, this this was still direct contact to the head, and mm. I made a comment in the in the press box saying, "Well, geez, he's kind of lucky there because we've, we know what's happened over the last couple of weeks, including last night with the yellow card to to Andrew Porter." So consistency is still the, the, the bugbear, still the thing that is holding the game back. But, you know, we're always going to be debating that because it's just what we do now with cameras and angles and, and so forth. There was there was a number of times, um, you know, Dave Parecki was holding Marcus Smith on one occasion around the boot laces so he couldn't walk. Um, you know, that was, he was held for a good three seconds once the ruck had cleared. So, you know, these sorts of things... Players will always try to, you know, um, push it to its limits and, and push the boundaries. Sometimes you get found out, other times you don't. And if you don't, well done. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, you're only cheating if you get caught, right? That's it. Uh, yeah, no, Richie, look no further than Richie McCall, <laughs> hey? So. I was wondering if you were going to go there. Hey, listen, Chrissy, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Always good to chat. Go well and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yeah, good to join. Thanks. Cheers, mate. Christy Doran there uh, joining us to talk uh, the view from the other side of the ditch. Keep your texts coming through. Uh, Anthony, uh, Ricardo, that is shocking about the journalist. He can write what is needed. Who was it? Probably can't say. No, you're right there. I can't say. Well, I could, but I don't know if you'd want me to. Um, because I think that frosty relationship might get frostier. But, yeah, thanks for your text, Anthony. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine number if you want to text through, or you can call us 0800 150 811. It's 19 away from four here on SENZ. Your Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball through till five o'clock. Keep those calls coming through on 0800 150 811. Whether you want to talk the Irish win over the All Blacks from an Irish point of view or a... All Black point of view. Uh, keep them coming through too on the text machine, double eight double three. Uh, that is the Temper Bed Post text machine. This has uh, come through a little while ago. Uh, Foster points out that New Zealand need to realise that Ireland are a good t- team. He must think we are ignorant. Our supporters watch Six Nations and know that they weren't good enough to win that. The old boys club is coming to a sticky end. Reinvigorate the team from the top down. I yes, don't disagree with that because I thought... That was deflecting. And we've seen a bit of this from Ian Foster. We saw it last year after the end of year tour when you know the All Blacks lost those games to Ireland and France to finish the tour. And, and, and he started going on about Australia and South Africa's records. I was like, what's that got to do with anything? Just because they've lost a couple of games, you know? So this is the All Blacks, and it should be better than that. So um, he does t- tend to like the deflection, and he's gone down that route again last night. So thanks for that text. Keep them coming through. Chris has said the Fozzie Bear needs to go hibernate. Yep, I think uh, there's a few people saying that. Um, ben Francis, I know you've got a thought or two on this. Oh, well, I, I guess I'm part of the, the camp where people of who... I don't, I'm going to say a bit smug about it because we've kind of seen this slowly happening and mm. the fact that it's kind of unraveling like this, it's quite, it's quite a weird feeling. And it's, it does sound quite you know, unpatriotic towards, towards the All Blacks. But at the end of the day, I guess it's kind of, it's like the just desserts. People being in the media, you kind of have the different dealings with New Zealand rugby and, and the All Blacks compared to some of the others from the outside. And you get some like some cases where you touched on the journalists before, where it really rubs you the wrong way. Mm. So you kind of you want to support the All Blacks, but at the same time you're kind of thinking, 
I kind of hope they don't. So then this might install some change. It's kind of like, you know, you've got the two guys sitting on your shoulder. You've got the one guy telling you to be the good one. You've got the one telling you to be the bad one. So that's kind of where I am. And I, I think I'm in a camp where I think change has to happen now. If you're going to make a change, this is the time to do it before the rugby championship. Imagine if the All Blacks went to South Africa and lost both tests. Things would be in a much worse position. I think the yep. alarm bells would definitely be ringing. Yep. And, and during a tournament, you don't probably probably definitely not the best time to change a coach. If you're going to do it, do it now. Where he's at least got a couple of weeks to come in and do something before heading over to South Africa because that's going to be tough. Yeah, they might come away one-one with that. How you kind of see things now? I can't see the All Blacks definitely going to South Africa two wins, zero losses. No, I can't either. I mean, if as you say, it's very it's every chance that New Zealand goes to South Africa and loses both games on current form and what we've seen. If that happens, it'll mean one test win in the last seven tests. And out of that, and, and of all those tests, the one that we've won will be the one where Ian Foster wasn't part of the week leading in. Um, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again because I think it bears saying, Sam Kane, the week leading into the first test on the Thursday press conference, said that the, team, the senior players had been working with Joe Schmidt and Brad Moore and that Ian Foster had wanted to dial in on Zoom to run meetings and they said no, it would be too disruptive. Which all-black coach in the last few years do you think would have put up with that? Steve Hansen? Graham Henry? Neither of them would have put up with the senior players telling them no. And I think the other thing is you would have seen it in the headlines. First test of a major series against a major opponent who's beaten us quite a lot recently, if either of those coaches were unavailable for that first week, it'd be disastrous. And that would be the headlines that we'd be seeing everywhere. We didn't see anything about it in the media, which tells you everything you need to know about what the media think of Foster. Exactly. And another point which had me a bit concerned with the Irish, was the All Blacks won the first test at Eden Park. We know that we know the history at Eden Park. They haven't lost in however Since long 94. it's been. Yeah, it's been a long time. Mm. But after the Wallabies lost to England in that second test, I listened to the Eddie Jones press conference and he was asked, what was the difference between this week and last week where Australia won? He said, we've had an extra week in Australia. Yeah. And when he said that, I was like, okay, I have a feeling Ireland are probably thinking the same thing. They literally had just landed in New Zealand, had to play the Māori All Blacks. So you can kind of see why they may have lost that. And it still take a little bit of a time to get over it. Justin Marshall touched on the journalists, so imagine how the players are feeling. They've had that extra week, beat the All Blacks quite convincingly. Dean Butler was on extra time last week, and he was said, "Oh, I'm quite." He was quite surprised how Ireland took the Māori All Blacks seriously. Yeah, and I, and I said to him, "These guys are playing for spots in the Test team." So there's a couple of these guys in here. I know lots of these guys are young guys, but there will be a couple of guys who will want to make an impression on Andy Farrell. So they took that match seriously. They'd had time to adjust to being in New Zealand. And then when that third test came along, and the kind of build-up, you kind of got the sense from the Ireland players that they wanted it a bit more because they knew the significance of what it meant to beat the All Blacks in New Zealand compared to the All Blacks who win a lot. And you kind of got that sense and all those little, little tidbits kind of all combining made you feel... I think Ireland, and I just had I had this feeling all yesterday, just had this feeling, and when I was watching the All Blacks come back, and I guess this is a question which I would kind of throw at you. If the All Blacks did win, 
Could you sit there right now and safely say the All Blacks were the better team across three tests? No, they weren't the better team in the first test. So it's actually it's, they it's, won. Yeah, and, and that's I guess that's kind of the thing. So it's maybe it's a good thing that they lost, so people can see maybe we're not as good as we think we are. Maybe we shouldn't be as arrogant as we have been in the past, as Christy Doran touched on, because that arrogance is something which has really, really rubbed people the wrong way. And I think the public is starting to see that a bit more now. Yeah, well, I mean, you you look at that first test. The Ireland played the most of the rugby in that first test. We had a 10-minute period before the, before half time, where Seve Reese got an intercept. There was a piece of brilliance from Bowden Barrett. It was all individual skills. It wasn't anything the team did to win those games, you know? And that was also, it was pretty much individual skill which got the All Blacks back into that test last night as well. Yeah, it it was. was an individual, it was a break by Will Jordan, it was a couple of tackle busts from Adi Savir and the same with the Kiriwane when the, which led to all the tries. It was a piece of individual brilliance. Quoting Scott Stevenson, Sumo Stevenson, he wrote a great article in the spin-off that I, I suggest that you read uh, this morning, and it says this. It would be much more exciting to discuss the home side's third-quarter comeback, during which Adi Savia, Akira Yuani, and Will Jordan all scored tries befitting their prodig- prodigious talents. But that would only serve to illustrate something that has become patently obvious over the last two seasons, which is, of course, that this All Blacks team looks and plays like a collection of individuals bereft of any cohesion or harmony it's long been a hallmark of great sides. And you kind of, I guess the, the thing you see with Ireland was the team effort, especially when it came to the set piece. Everyone was talking about how much of a big impact Sam Whitelock was, has, but Ireland picked the line out to pieces. Yeah. When it came to the breakdown, they were patient and then they w- wait, worked as a team and waited for the moment to strike. And it seemed like when they striked, especially in that second half, when the All Blacks looked like when they were building a bit of momentum, it was almost like timing to perfection. Yep, the, uh, that Irish team played really well, played really well, executed a game plan. Uh, and Sam Warburton's been talking about that as well. I'll tell you what Sam Warburton said about that Irish team and about Andy Farrell next. Mornings with Ian Smith. Six away from four o'clock here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball with you through till five o'clock this afternoon. Uh, keep your texts coming through on double eight double three. That is the Temper Bedpost text line. Or 0800 150 811 is our phone number. This is what Sam Warburton has had to say about Andy Farrell. Five Irish wins versus New Zealand in the last eight tests. Andy Farrell is defence coach and more recently as head coach. Lions beat New Zealand for a test in 2017. Andy Farrell was the defence coach. England beat New Zealand in 2012. Andy Farrell was the defence coach. I'll let you do the maths. He's a great coach and has a great record from Sam Warburton. I thought that was uh, that, that really put it nicely and succinctly as to just how good uh, a job has been done by Andy Farrell uh, for the teams that he's coached against the All Blacks and basically figured out ways to defend us. And Now, I've also had a bunch of texts come through. Uh, why... Isn't any former players really criticising the management and coaches? This is not on. Come on. They haven't put a name on it. But uh, I would say that there has been some criticism. Steve Devine certainly has criticised. I think uh, Justin Marshall, to an extent, has criticised. I know Jeff Wilson has criticised the way things have been run as well. But thank you for your text. Keep them coming through. Uh, This one too. Yes, a lot of the blame falls with Fozzie. But Super Rugby isn't helping us for international rugby. We are too insular and not looking outside the square for tactical advantages. 
England have Anthony Seabold. Wales have Sean Edwards, both, of course, uh, leagueies, etc. Also, our forwards aren't built like Northern Hemisphere packs. The game has left us behind big time. Thank you very much for your texts. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. It's just gone four o'clock here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball with you through till five o'clock and talking rugby through this afternoon. Of course, Ireland beating the All Blacks in a series on New Zealand soil for the first time ever. Actually, another record that fell yesterday or last night that hasn't been talked about as much is the halftime score. The All Blacks were down by 19 points at halftime. That is the biggest halftime deficit the All Blacks have ever had in a test match. 19 points, 22 to 3 it was. So uh, yet another record falls. Uh, keen to keep getting your thoughts on where the All Blacks go to from here and what they need to do. Um, they had a few texts through this one. Uh, the best coach and leader the All Blacks have had in the last 22 years is Richie McCaw. No knighthood, just great leadership and planning. Uh, Robertson will never get the All Blacks job. He's not the right fit for the stiff shirt brigade at New Zealand Rugby. And it's an interesting take. Yeah, he might have upset a few with the way he, uh, he talks about things. And we've seen that with uh, certainly, I know Dave uh, Rennie um, certainly wasn't uh, didn't, didn't have uh, fans at New Zealand Rugby, where I've said a few people at New Zealand Rugby at different times. Um, there's a few that have, uh, all, you know, prospective all-black coaches that have gone overseas to coach because they have fallen foul of New Zealand Rugby, that is for sure. So keep those texts coming through. Uh, we should hear from probably a guy uh, who really did stand up last night for the All Blacks and one that a lot of people would like to see with a seven on his back and the captain's captaincy as well, and that is Artie Savia. Hard to put into words, mate. Just real disappointed. Um, you know, just to all our fans out there, you know, just apologise. Um, you know, we, yeah, you've got to give credit to the Irish. Uh, they came out firing again. Uh, we couldn't just, we couldn't handle the first half and we came, we came back a bit in the second, but it just wasn't our night tonight. And, um, yeah, it is. Uh, it's hard, bro. It's, I've lost for it. You know, we kind of, kind of got a riled up in half time, and um, you know, we weren't playing our game in the first half, and you know, we did that in the first um, first ten minutes in the second half. Uh, but you know, there were just little moments in the game where we had the ball, we'd knock it on, turn it over in, in our own half, and they'd punish us again. Um, you know, and we can't make those mistakes against a quality Irish team. We've got to look really, really hard within. Um, but the most, the main thing is we've got to stay together. Um, whoever makes the team or comes together, us as leaders, um, the management, the senior players, we've got to step up and we've got to lead this team and, and, and hopefully put some pride and some money back in the jersey. Um, obviously. Um, you know, that, like I said, there's going to be a lot of pressure and expectation outside noise. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. And, you know, we've been anointed to be in this jersey. And it's up to us to be to be able to um, regather and regroup. Um, but the main thing, bro, is we've got to stay together. It's going to be tough um, looking at ourselves after this Stone Lager series. But it's through the trenches where you, where you grow and you become better. So, um, yeah. It's hard pill to swallow tonight. It's going to be a hard week off or two weeks, but uh, we'll sit on it, mate, and um, we've got to be better.
That is Adi Savia talking post-match yesterday. Uh, more texts have come through. I, this one is from Josh. I believe we've failed in our appointment of Ian Foster. Both Graeme Henry and Steve Hansen were international coaches before gaining the All Blacks job. Both immersed, immersed themselves into the Northern Hemisphere style before taking on the All Blacks. What has Ian, uh, John Plumtree and Scott McLeod done internationally? Well, you know, that's uh, probably a fair call. Uh, significant losses to the Northern Hemisphere teams ahead of a year ahead of the World Cup. All we need is a player to report poor culture and we might see Foster go the way of Glenn Moore. Though listening to Kieran Reid's post-match comments last night about not airing any laundry in public, I suspect any, I suspect any expression of dissatisfaction uh, from within the All Blacks Mafia is unlikely. Also, uh, the All Blacks at number four in the world rankings, reckon, uh, rankings too generous at the minute. I mean, from Aden and Dunedin, yeah, it probably is at the moment, uh, the way they're going. I mean, uh, England are ranked behind us, and I think at the moment they'd probably beat us. don't know about the Aussies, but uh, I think you could make a case for... For the uh, for the Poms, uh, we've had this one actually from an Englishman uh, living in New Zealand. Uh, John say, says the fact that the All Blacks are not as good as everyone wants them to be—that's sport. Ireland have worked out how to win against them, but the All Blacks haven't worked out how to stop them doing it and keep playing the same game, which Ireland and the rest of the Northern Hemisphere side sides know so well. It's the whole squad and management who have to adapt now, not throwing everyone out because you lost. I'm English, so I know what it's like to lose a lot. Suck it up, fellas, from John. Thanks for your text, John. Keep them coming through. Double eight double three, double eight double three is the text line on 0800 150 Josh van der Flyer is one of the standout players this series for the Irish. Uh, their big number seven. This is what he had to say post-match. Ireland have now beaten New Zealand five out of the last eight times. Where does this rank in the Irish rugby history? Um, well, it's hard to tell right now, but um, it's an incredible feeling. Um, I suppose it doesn't, we spoke at the smart, start of the tour, it's the type of tour you want to be on. It doesn't get much harder playing New Zealand in New Zealand. And uh, yeah, this, this was the goal coming out at the start and looked, looked ropey after the first week, but unbelievably proud of, of the group. We've, uh, we've had a really good month here and uh, it was great to, to finish out with a performance like that. And yeah, it feel, feels incredible. Did you always believe a series win was uh, in your grasp here in New Zealand? I think so, yeah. I mean, as I said, after the first test, it was, it was pretty tough, but um, we, we knew we had it in us. We've, we've played them, as you said, a, a good few times, and we've managed to get a few wins and put in a lot of great performances. I think one thing we've taken a lot of encouragement from is all the games we've lost the last year or two have all been things we, we felt we weren't, didn't perform as well as we could. So. We felt if we performed as well as we could, we, we could be close and uh, managed, to, managed to get the series win, so very pleased. Looking around, mate, tell us what's different about Irish rugby? Oh, it's, I, I, I guess to play, for, to play for, for the country, for the country of Ireland, uh, means everything to us. Um, it's, it's playing for, it's what everyone strives to do when you're a little kid. Pretty much all of us would have gone to Lansdowne Road as a little kid and, and watched Ireland play and... You want to be playing in these games um, and to be to be a part of history making group like this is incredibly special. Speaking of those people who are watching on, thousands here, hundreds of thousands around the world, everyone at home, what's a message to all of your fans watching on? Oh, th thanks so much for the support. Um, we have a few weeks off, so I'm sure there'll be a few points again as had, had, but uh, yeah, very, um, thanks for the support. The sport's been incredible out here. Um, it's been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, the other side of the world and you can hear people shouting Ireland's call and fields of Athenry and also yeah thanks for the support it's, it's been incredible 
So there you go. That is Josh Van der Flyer, the uh, Irish number seven. And uh, yeah, the, obviously you can see what it meant to them. Uh, Peter O'Mahony in tears after the win as well. Uh, this text come through from Tim in Auckland. Hi, Ricardo. Have you seen the Band of Brothers series? The men voted out their leader because he was useless and the right guy was put in. The same needs to happen with the All Blacks. Thanks for your text, Tim. Uh, Foster fingerprints are all over All Blacks history and not in a good way is another one that has come through. Certainly, if you look at his coaching record as a head coach, you know, some people are very good as assistants or number twos, if you like, uh, at being part of something, uh, but they're just not leaders. They're not head coaches. We've seen that in, in, in plenty of sports where guys uh, can can be part of a very successful setup, but then not step up themselves to be the the, the one guy, the leader, the head coach, etc. Um, and I kind of feel like Foster falls into that category. I mean, you look at his coaching record with the Chiefs. When he had that Chiefs team, they were full of All Blacks. They only made the Super Rugby final once, and then they lost that final by a record score to the Bulls. Uh, Dave Rennie took over from Ian Foster. The first year Rennie had that team, they won Super Rugby. For me, that says a lot about head coaching credentials, and it's something that I don't think is talked about enough about uh, Ian Foster and why he's got the All Blacks job or how he's got the All Blacks job. Uh, Josh has texted through saying, hey team, if they replace Foster, then all his assistants have to go. Will there be an interview process? Remember, Graham Henry was on the last interview panel. I think Steve Hansen might have been as well uh, on that panel, Josh. Listen, it depends what they do. I think... There's a chance if a, ch- a change is made by uh, NZR, and that's an if, I think it's li- less likely to be wholesale. I think they will try and keep it together and maybe put, say, a Joe Schmidt in. I don't necessarily think they're going to go to a Scott Robertson, um, in which case if they put Joe Schmidt in, it'll probably be much the back start, backroom stuff might be quite similar. Um, if they do have to have a clear out, yeah, there definitely got to be an interview process, you would think. Although the way that it was done basically to, to be an all-black coach uh, when the job was up to, for grabs after Hanson is that these guys put their, t- their own teams together. Hey, this is going to be my team, and then they went and applied for the job. So the guys working under them didn't have to apply. They were just part of, the pro- of their project, basically, and would have got the job off the back of that man getting the job as the head coach. That's my understanding, Josh, of how that has worked. Uh, this text has just come through from Tim in Auckland as well. Sounds like Foster and crew have lost the players. No natural leader in the team apart from Artie. We also miss a guy like Kevin Mialamu. Read DC's book. Kevin was the man that helped everyone to task. Um, John has also texted through saying Savi is a good player but not a captain. That speech just was so full of cliches and uh, BS. Um, I don't know about that, but yeah, thanks for your text, Josh. Uh, John, keep them coming through, Double eight, double three. It is 4.11 here on SENZ. 0800 150 is our phone number, or double eight, double three, double eight, double three um is the text line. And as Aiden has just texted through, Schmidt's fingerprints are all over Ireland in a good way. That may be, well be the case. Will he be the next All Blacks coach? What do you think? Let us know. 0800 150 811 or double eight, double three. 16 past four here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball with you through till five o'clock this afternoon. I can tell you that the game between the West Tigers and the Penrith Panthers has kicked off. The Tigers are 4-0 up in this one. Um, 15 minutes gone in the first half. And uh, yeah, the news coming out. Tim Sheens is going to take over as head coach of the Tigers for 2023. But I also saw just a splash come up there that Benji Marshall wants to be the head coach of the Tigers come 2025. 
don't know what coaching credentials he has for that or if that's something he's going to work towards. Maybe he's going to be part of Tim Sheens' coaching staff. It'll be interesting to see uh, where that goes. We have been talking, of course, All Blacks Island all afternoon and plenty of texts coming through on this one. Uh, one from Yvonne, which said, where is our junior or B team? Not every player qualifies for the Māori All Blacks. Steve Devine back in the day, Ethan Groot to Groot today. What aspirations do players who miss out have? Go overseas? George Bridge, case in point. Uh, yeah, thanks for your text, Yvonne. Well, there is actually a um, a new team that has been launched by New Zealand Rugby who are going on tour this year. They are going to be called the All Blacks 15. All right, so we've got uh, the All Blacks, we've got uh, the Māori All Blacks, we've got the All Blacks 7s, and now we've got the All Blacks 15, which is effectively like an All Blacks B team from what I understand. They have a three-week tour planned where they're going to play matches in the UK, Europe, and in North America. There's going to be four games in three weeks. At this stage, only two of those games have been confirmed. One is against the Canadians, which will be in North America, obviously, and one against a Barbarians outfit. Um, so two more matches, uh, it says high-profile matches to be announced soon. So there you go, Yvonne, that's hopefully answered that question for you. Uh, uh, Alan Quinlan, of course, uh, former Irish back role we had on the show last week, he was also talking earlier or around uh, the third test, and this is what he had to say. I'm absolutely exhausted. I'm hoarse from shouting and screaming. Um, just amazing. So many Irish here. They've stayed on after the game. They're all standing around the tunnel area where the players have gone in. The players stayed out for ages. Um, they're singing the fields of Athen Rye. They're chanting. They're they're going absolutely crazy. And uh, just the whole experience. And, and it's surreal, really, because um, I didn't think what happened last week we could get any better, but it has done to win a series here. Just an amazing Amazing, amazing uh, situation for the players and uh, and the coaching staff. They deserve huge credit, given that you know the way things panned out in that first test and uh, the response. The midweek team team winning against the Maoris, it just couldn't be any better. Three out of five games won for Ireland. I suppose um, we knew it was going to be a tough situation, but I think they've surpassed their expectations and just been been amazing right across the board. You could say. Um, to play three test mass matches in, in three weeks in a trot like this for the vast majority of the players and uh, the energy they found there, particularly at the end of the game, to hang on, to come up with some big plays. And you said it in your, at the start, the way they played in that first half was just incredibly impressive. Uh, three tries, uh, they came out, started brilliantly again and you know, no big controversial incidents. I think they'll, you know, maybe we'll hear about the Andrew Porter tackle and Brody Retallick. Uh, Wayne Barnes giving me yellow. Could it have been a red? Well, of course it could have been. Um, but I think the, it was probably the right call. Um, but if you got a red card, you know, they wouldn't, you you know, it's one of those ones that can go either way. Uh, Wayne Barnes said there was no forward force that he kind of accepted the tackle. Um, giving me yellow card. I'm, I'd be interested to hear what Ian Foster says about that after the game. But just the effort out of the players to stay going, to really believe they could do it here. And um, just it's 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 surreal. It's surreal. Um, Twenty four years since New Zealand have lost two home games on the trot, and that was against South Africa and Australia. So Ireland have broken all kinds of records here and, and, and achieved just the unthinkable. Really, James Law said it after the game. He was interviewed. He said it's just unimaginable what's after happening, and um, it's really special for the players. They put in some some shift there for the last couple of weeks, and. They got their just rewards, and as you said as well, it's it's history. It's the, probably the greatest 
two of the greatest results that, that Ireland have ever achieved because they've never been here. And um, I suppose when we pick through the bones of it, you could argue and say that New Zealand were, were really poor. But Ireland made them look really poor in the first half. And uh, the reaction here will be, will be uh, so much pressure on the coaching staff for New Zealand and a lot of question marks. But it's about Ireland now and uh, they were just amazing and absolutely brilliant a couple of weeks. We've had some great days in Irish rugby. Quinny, you know, as a man of the match yourself in a European Cup final, Munster against the All Blacks, 1978, Ronan O'Gara's drop goal, 2009 against Wales, winning a Grand Slam at Twickenham in 2018. But this, like New Zealand hadn't lost a Test Series since 1994 to France. This must go down as the greatest day for Irish rugby, Quinny. Yeah, I think so. It does, and the players deserve all the credit. I think they've been a credit to themselves, the way they've played, how brave they've been, the accuracy, the you know, the fight they've shown. Um, and they earned the respect of the New Zealand team and people, I think. Everywhere you, I've gone this week, um, I was a little bit pessimistic. I thought it, be, it just maybe was a step too far to find another performance, but they did. But everywhere and everyone I met on the streets were convincing me that you know, Ireland can do this, the New Zealand supporters, and they really, you know, so Ireland have, are after gaining so much respect here, and um, it's just it's just an incredible achievement, really. You know, it's very, very after the match is finished, the players are probably just pinching themselves. And these are the great moments for players, you know, some and for sports people, when you, when you win something special and you can go into a dressing room afterwards and just get that feeling of joy and elation for the sacrifice, the commitment, a lot of the team have young kids at home, wives, partners, girlfriends, and, um, you know, they'll they'll just be beaming for weeks and weeks and months after this. And it won't ever be forgotten because they've created history, winning for the first time last week, but actually winning a series here. It's just phenomenal when you, when you think of what they've achieved and hopefully they can, you know, they can kick on now and the World Cup is 14, 15 months away and, uh, build and get stronger. I think a lot of the young players that were in the squad will, will really benefit from being part of this. They might have played in the test matches, but um, the win, as I said, in midweek against the Maori here in, in, in Wellington was really, really important as well. So um, I, I just love the fact, and I've said this so many times, Andy Farrell just, um, and the rest of his coaching staff deserve huge credit. Paul O'Connell, Simon Easterby, John Fogarty, um, you know, just, just the, the Mike Pat, uh, he's come on for criti- under a bit of criticism there maybe 14, 15 months ago. Uh, this team has just got better and better and they've shown a real steal and a resolve to, to back themselves to come on, come down here and win a series. And I think it was incredibly hard fought in the second half. I think the All Blacks came out and they were they were ferocious. They were aggressive. They were more direct um, to score three tries themselves. And I think when Will Jordan scores a try, you, you fear the worst. Uh, Jordy Barrett missed the conversion, so it's still say three points. But Rob Herring goes up the field, and uh, you know he gets that try. Um, he broke off them all. I, I I went, oh no, but it was collapsing, and he did remarkably well to get the ball down. So um, huge effort from the players. I think it's just a really incredible, incredible achievement, and they deserve all the credit themselves. You know they've they've probably a lot of these players have had very high moments in their careers, but they've had. You know, to deal with a lot of disappointments and I think along the way um, the last World Cup was you know, 2019 was a bad year for a lot of these guys um, I suppose disappointment of not winning a Grand Slam, losing in France but uh, the last 12 months has been brilliant, you know, last November so it's just hard to think John, the last four times we've played the All Blacks, Ireland have beaten them three times it's, 
it's it, it's it sounds strange, doesn't it? But that's happened, and uh, yeah, it's incredible. There you go. That is Alan Quinlan, a uh, former Irish back rower, speaking earlier today or late last night. I'm not sure which one it was uh, about that big win for Ireland over the All Blacks. Had this text come through from Tom and the mighty Waikato as well. An Irishman living in New Zealand's perspective, not the best Irish team ever, about five players at home injured and have to correct previous texters. This Irish team has no fingerprints of Joe Schmidt about it. He will not be the saviour you think he is. Super rugby is the problem. It's not challenging enough. Teams playing similar styles week in, week out, so they don't need to adapt like they do in the Heineken Cup. Thanks very much for your text, Tom. That is a great text, actually, and I think there's a lot of points in there uh, that need to be observed. Has... Uh, New Zealand rugby, uh, we're starting to see uh, suffer, uh, suffer from not playing South African teams in Super Rugby. You know, I mean, I know South Africa isn't Northern Hemisphere rugby, but it's a lot closer to what the English uh, and the French do than what we get exposed to by playing Australian teams. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a great point made, Tom. Thanks very much for your text. That is 4.26 here on SENZ with you through till 5 o'clock this afternoon. Coming up before 5 o'clock, Grant Elliott is going to join us and talk Black Caps in Ireland. It's just gone half past four here on SENZ. I can tell you that the uh, Penrith Panthers have uh, scored a couple of tries. They now lead 10-4 to four over the West Tigers. Uh, they've just gone up to the bunker for another one from Viliami Kekau. We'll see if this one is given as well. Uh, keep you up to date with that through till five o'clock. Uh, then we'll have an hour of uh, the best of the rugby run and we'll cross over to some league a little bit later on this afternoon as well here on SENZ. Of course, last night after the game, uh, Andy Farrell fronted the press. Uh, Andy, uh, Ireland played with tempo and composure uh, last week and, and tonight. How pleased were you with, were, were you with that? Pleased. Yeah, I don't think that's the word. Um, I think, <coughs> you know, I mean, what's, what's the biggest thing that you can say uh, about uh, a group of people? I don't know. I don't know if, if there is a word because that's the hardest thing in rugby to do by a country mile. Um, we lost game one, you know. We lost game one and uh, our backs were against the wall and apparently, um, you know, we was going to feel the full full wrath of, of, of the All Blacks today and we said that's the challenge that we wanted and uh, our best 40 minutes of... Um, of the campaign was in the first half, which says a lot about how they are as a team and, and where they're going and the belief that they've got. So um, I think this is the hardest thing that you could do by a country mile in rugby, especially when you take it down to the last game and we know that the All Blacks, the history, are, are, are going to come out firing and uh, not just to be up so much at half-time, but the, the, the most pleasing thing for me by, by a long stretch was the composure when when they came back at us, because they always do, they always do, and we never got ahead of ourselves when we was in front, and we never panicked when, when they started to come back, and uh, yeah, well, I mean, we talk about um, this being the start of a World Cup year, and uh, it was never ever mentioned about it being an end-of-season tour. You see the freshness of the lads. I mean, some of these lads, have a think about it, when you, when you get a minute, have a think about it. Some of these lads not play for eight weeks, you know, some of these lads are coming off the back of a loss in a quarter-final, semi-final, final, etc. You know, um, we had three days of a camp before we left for these shows, and they was back together like that. You know, they're a special group, and they deserve everything they get. Charlie, you got a lot of smiling faces in the temp- temple this morning. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of smiling faces uh, across the country. Um, it's something that's not lost on us. Uh, we speak about it all the time, primarily family at home, but also the people, <coughs> the people of Ireland that uh, that we represent. And, and I, I can't, I don't think they could be much prouder. Uh, I don't think even if we lost, you know, the game today, the effort uh, to, to turn up because sometimes the last test, and I've been in tours before, where it's very easy to drift drift off into a into your holiday or drift off to somewhere else and, and uh, the boys stayed on it this week we got the balance right between um, you know rest and and recovery and, and making sure that we were fresh and uh, yeah that's credit to Faz and uh, the management they they nailed it and uh, the boys just basically did exactly what they asked of us and um, yeah that's that's it really I thought I had him for pace, yeah. <laughs> um, did you ever doubt at that stage that things were kind of, the 50-50s weren't going your way? Yeah, of course. You, you, you always doubt, but you, you have to have the mental skills to be able to, to get back into the to present and the moment and then just say to the boys, let's, you know, it's it's one, it's, it's a big, it was a big swing, wasn't it? Like, um, for the ball to come off the crossbar like that, like I thought, uh, I was actually thinking, it was mad, I was thinking about uh, Owen's kick against uh, the All Blacks to, to tie the series from a similar spot. And it was, I just felt it was an important kick and then for it to come off the crossbar, I was, uh, I was good at uh, But um, it was a big swing, but it just shows the character of the team to be able to come back from that. They're the, they're the moments that in previous years against New Zealand that would have swung the game and, and uh, they're the, the fine margins. Um, that we would have been talking about if we had lost, uh, but thankfully we we got a penalty uh, straight away, and then a uh, big call to go for the corner again, and, and the the lads backed it up, and that that was that was cheese. Uh, James Ryan, like he was he was on it tonight, and he a couple of times we, we talked about going for three, and he just said no, go for the corner, and uh, you know for him to show that leadership is a big step, big step for him, which is great. There you go. That is uh, the Irish press conference post-match last night. You can hear how much it meant to them. Keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three is the text line. Um, good show, boys. We need Jordan at fullback. We seem to have a love affair with Barrett. Bowden, Bowden was awful going for the big interception. He is so slow with his passing. Start Richie and put your best seven on the field. Cheers, Ronan. Yep, that's uh, that's fair, Ron, and we've uh, heard plenty of that. I think uh, the All Black coaches like to have Geordie at the back because they see as six foot five, good under the high ball, etc. Against European teams, but uh, you do miss that attacking flair from Will Jordan, who's not bad under a high ball himself. Uh, what happened to the days where you get the best team together? Usually Auckland or Canterbury do some tweaks with the top coaches. Um, usually from Auckland or Canterbury and clean up everybody. I'm a Waikato rugby supporter. I think Fozzie should be gone. Give Scott Robertson a go at the moment. Auckland Canterbury are the best places for players and coaches as well. That's from Brent. Thanks very much for your text, Brent. When we come back, Grant Elliott's going to join us, and we're going to talk cricket because the Black Caps, speaking of Ireland, are in Ireland playing cricket. You're on SENZ. It's your Sunday afternoon. Ricardo Ball with you and joining us, um, I was going to say the senior member, uh, but maybe not that's the right term. Should we say uh, the most decorated member of the Saturday session? Uh, Grant Elliott, how are you, sir? That is so not true, Ricardo Ball. Um, I would be, you know, the sidekick to Ben Francis and uh, 
Daniel McCarty. I mean, the abuse that I get on that show is second to none. It's sort of, it keeps me grounded. It's good for me. It's good for you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you, 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 you can take it in your stride. You're a bigger man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think someone, someone actually gave me a compliment uh, yesterday on the show. I can't remember who it was, but it came out of left field. So, um, oh, it was Mike Sandal, actually former manager, and it came as quite a surprise to um, Ben Francis that Daniel McCarty went right against the grain of our show. <laughs> like, Mike, did you not get the memo? Who's this bloke you're talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually tell him. I said, mate, yeah, it'll be great to have you on the show, and listen, just don't hold back on me. You can just abuse me as much as you want, because that's what Ben Francis and Daniel McCarty do. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, mate, you're a bigger man than I. I don't know if I'd be turning up every week for that. But, hey, we should talk about the Black Caps uh, because they are currently in Ireland. Um, I'm not entirely sure of the point of this of this tour. Um, do you, from your point of view, is this, is this about trying some new combinations, trying some new faces um, in, in a one-day and white ball arena uh, and, and see what we get? Where, where do you think this tour takes us? Yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting question that you ask. I mean, to be honest, I think that we've we've got into the cycle of resting players and almost the expectation of resting players for a certain series. And um, you know, I don't know if it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, a lot of test players, guys like Devin Conway, uh, Kane Williamson, Tim Southey, Trent Bolt, so like some big names in the team are rested. However, We've got the likes of Henry Nichols there who normally opens, but he's found himself in the middle order. And we've got Finn Allen opening. So I think it is a good opportunity to blood players and see what they can do in their positions. However, um, you know, you have to be careful because this is for the, the Cricket World Cup uh, ranking. So, you know, it's for the Super League points, which, uh, you know, it's called. So if you... If you don't get in that top eight, then you're you're playing for for um, position in the um, for the World Cup. So it's um, it's quite a important you know any series is an important series and any game is an important game because you can get twelve points for it. Unfortunately, you know we played the first one and we won by one wicket. Uh, we won the uh, second one by three wickets and then the last one just by one run. So. I don't think it has been a uh, very successful outing, but perhaps for the selectors, they've had a look at things um, and players that they could slot in in uh, pivotal roles. And I think that those pivotal roles, what you're looking at is an opener that can blast it, so for Allen. You're looking at an all-rounder that um, can bowl often as well as um, you know finishing innings, which Michael Bracewell had an unbelievable uh, series against Ireland. Uh, three innings, three not out, um, and scored 190 runs in one of those games, which was the first one. Uh, he needed 20 off the last over, and he hit 24. So, um, you know, he, he's had an unbelievable series with bat and ball. But that provides nice balance, and maybe he's the sort of player that can, you can chop and change with a Colin de Grandhomme, depending on the, um, the condition. And then the other one is Lockie Ferguson, who I'd say stats-wise is probably... He probably wasn't um, that happy with how he went. You know, he only returned two wickets um, out of the two games that he played. But the disappointing thing was Adam Milne got injured and went home. It would have been nice to see Lockie Ferguson and Adam Milne. Uh, even though the pitches were quite benign, and you, you don't blame Ireland for that. They don't want to come across one of, you know, the best 
sort of test play nations in the world and create like a bouncy fast pitch. So it did take turn on. Um, we're not that great against turn, and, and that showed with, you know, Satman got five wickets. Henry, the top wicket taker was seven. Um, but, yeah, we bowled a lot of spin through the middle. East Sodi only played the one game. So I think the selectors would have found things out about players, which is important uh, for the future of, of white ball cricket um, in New Zealand. Um, but, you know, I'd like to see more of those senior players there so that they can learn even more on tour. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you look at uh, the, the lineups and, and Guptill and, and Finn Allen opening. Uh, Will Young coming in at first drop, which didn't seem to be particularly uh, successful. I mean, he, he got one, a duck, and a three. Um, so forgettable for him. Uh, does that impact on Will Young's white ball future in the black jersey, do you think? Well, I think Will Young, it's a tough one because, you know, you look at you look at the likes of Devin Conway and Kane Williamson and you go, well, they should really slot in at three and four um, in any sort of order, which means that Will Young's in a, a tough position, you know, should he be opening? And that's why I find it fascinating. Like Henry Nichols in the last one day, he batted at five. He got runs and he batted five in the test arena. And I always, always wondered why he went up to opening. And he's been all right as an opener. But whether that's the position for him, I don't know. I, I'd like to see, um, you know, the blueprint that we had, which was, you know, Gustav McCullum. You've got Gustav who, he does take a while to get in. And when he gets in, he can go big um, and he can be really aggressive. But then having that sort of, you know, a 360 player and a really aggressive player to try to get ahead of the game. So I do like, you know, Finn Allen um, up top, but, you know, it feels like we're we're blessed for, with options there. Will Young could be up top, just as Devin Conway could, um, and, you know, Henry Nichols and, and Finn Allen. So I guess it is who's going to be that partner to Martin Gutzel. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Glenn Phillips could do that job too, I suppose, if you wanted. I mean, he can bat really anywhere in the top six or seven, can't he? Totally, and, and you know, maybe that's the strength of us. You know, when you look at our, our liner, everyone but sort of Gutzel, I think you look at them and you go, well, let's just choose our, our best top five batters and then they'll just slot in anywhere. That's ideal. And I think, you know, when we look at the white ball game and we see uh, England scoring 498 um, against the Netherlands, that's the sort of levels we're going to have to be at. I mean, we scored 360. Now, I'd go, that's a great score. But we only won by uh, one run. So, you know, you ask questions of the bowling attack, but is it enough? Are we scoring enough? Are we actually pushing the envelope in terms of where the game's going. And we've seen with Brendan in test cricket, he's asking players to be more aggressive, asking them to play their authentic game. Now, I don't think that, you know, we necessarily need to be playing that same blueprint that we played five years ago. I think all teams are, are really trying to be a lot more aggressive. Now, we need to pick teams that, you know, can score not just 300, but maybe 400. We really need to try and push this, this white ball game forward and I think there are many other teams that are doing that around the world. Do you think Will Young's form has hampered Dane Cleaver? Because I mean he's over there, he's a wicketkeeper batsman and he's been very successful for CD in the last season, batting at three and keeping um, do you think that maybe the, the, the thought was we'll give Will Young a couple of games and then we'll throw Dane Cleaver in for, for the third game but Will Young gets no runs and they're like hell we, bet, we, we need him to get runs, they, they stuck him in there and it, that's impacted on Dane? Um, I, th I think Will Young is the incumbent, and I think he's done so well in his cricket. Like you know, he has—he's a quality player, Will Young. And um, one of the the hallmarks of why the Black Caps have been so successful in recent times.
important is consistency and performance. And that's why I'd say, you know, I'd like to see some of the senior players over there because I think the more consistent your selection, the more consistent your results. And, you know, they're backing Will Young, which is great. But maybe the Netherlands, maybe this is an opportunity to try those guys over there. Mm. If we believe that we can still win all of these games by trialing things, then maybe use this as a trial tour and give guys that experience. So when they come into the international arena, it's not, too different to um, you know what they've experienced before. I mean, it would have taken me, and I was lucky because I was an all-rounder. It took me about ten to fifteen games, one-day games, before I felt really comfortable. And that was against pace of one fifty. That was against mystery spin, and also that uh, the pressures of international cricket. So it would be nice to see someone like James Cooper being given a go, um, and perhaps probably more so up front. I guess you know maybe you know Guff takes the rest and you give them um, a go up front or even a Finn Allen, you chop and change those two. But they've got a lot of options. And I think that sometimes too many options doesn't give you as, as much clarity, um, which is why I always push for that consistency of selection because guys will come out of this like a Michael Bracewell and have an absolute boomer of a series. And then what happens to the, the people that are already the incumbents that are playing in those positions? So very interesting time, but... What it does do and what COVID's done for a lot of these international teams is it has given more depth to squads. I mean, we've seen, you know, in India, almost first team to second team playing in different parts of the world during COVID and just showing the depth that they have. So, um, you know, we need to build depth. Uh, we know that, you know, our, our test team is probably getting a little bit on the older side. <laughs> Not old, but on the older side. When you look at someone like James Anderson, he's at 39, 40. Um, still running in. That means we, if we look after our players, we can do well in that test arena. But, um, you know, depth is key to New Zealand cricket. Uh, here's a question for you. What I was going to say, what is Mitchell Santner? But that's not quite right. But where is Mitchell Santner? Because, I mean, he was for so long a key part or seemed to be an undroppable player, regardless of the format. And then he kind of disappeared for 18 months, two years. Um, with the emergence of Michael Bracewell, both at test level uh, and, I guess, Rachin Ravindra as well, to a certain extent, um, what's Mitchell Sandner's future in the Black Caps? Oh, I'd say I'd say Sandner is pretty safe at white ball cricket. Uh, you know, his numbers are, are phenomenal in terms of economy rates. He's got a great economy rate. You look at his economy rates in one day, he's below five, and T20 internationals, he's just just over seven. So, you know, he, he is an economical bowler. He can get wickets through the middle. Not a big turner. I'd say that his test career, maybe later on in his career, if he starts, you know, changing his game and becoming a big turner of the ball, but his batting has certainly improved. So he can perform that role that Bracewell performs, but I think. What Bracewell and Pat makes of us now is that when you go to the subcontinent, we don't end up playing the seeming all-rounder. So looking at like a James Neesham or a Colin de Grandhomme, you look to play Bracewell and Satner in combination and you've got a left-arm tweaker and then a, um, a right-arm off-spinner. So you can always take the ball away from the left-hander with Bracewell, um, as well as two left-handers that can finish an inning. Because I was really impressed with Satner, how he produced his runs in the... Um, in the T20 competition uh, last year, domestically, uh, he, his batting has really improved a lot. And I think the experience that he's had is, um, at RPL level, I think that you know, being in the nest and in and amongst those, those players can only be good for your game. So 
I think he's a he's an incumbent and he's someone that someone's going to have to try and replace through uh, sheer weight of runs and, and wickets. Yeah, I, I mean, what does that mean for Ashodi though? Because it seems to be New Zealand cricket loathes is or is loath to play leg spinners. You know, whether it be Ish in the white ball or Ajaz in, 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 in Tess, we don't seem to trust them. I would have thought if you've got a Bracewell and a Satner, it's two of the same effectively. Uh, Ish gives you something different, but he only played the one game. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's just in terms of the combinations because we've got so many decent seamers now. I mean, when you think about it, you probably your first team would be, you know, a Bolt, Saudi, Ferguson, and then you've got basically two more bowlers. One, let's say, it's more rounders, is either the Grand Home, Bracewell, and then you've got a spinning spot. But that spinning spot always goes to Satna. So unless you want to really roll the dice and you go, well, let's play a wicket taker, let's play Ishodi along with Satna, I just feel like it disrupts the balance of our team and the way we play the game. So, you know, if Satna's injured, then, yeah, Ish did search come in. But I think he's almost, you know, the, the second choice to Satna at the moment, which is unfortunate because I think every world-class team needs a league spinner and someone who bowls 150 and then a really attacking opening pick. So, I'd love to see Ish in there. It's just how they're going to try and balance the team to get him in there. Yeah, it's a, a million-dollar question. Hopefully, he'll get uh, some opportunities against the Scots and the Dutch. Hey, thanks for coming on, mate, and having a chat. Always good to catch up with you. Go well, and uh, good luck with the DIY around the house on your Sunday, Arvo. Yeah, I just went to the Mighty Ten. It's a good plug for them, isn't it? And um, always go there and try and do a little bit of DIY just to get in credits for the next weekend in case there's some sports on, hey, Dakota? <laughs> but uh, hopefully the All Blacks fans are not hurting too much. It was a tough game to watch last night. Oh, mate, very much so. Well, we might have a new All Blacks coach by the time uh, by the time we play we play again. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Grant, go well, mate. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, Grant Elliott there with us uh, talking, of course, to the Black Caps and uh, their tour at the moment that they are on. They've beaten the Irish in three games, ODI games. Now they play three T20 games. Uh, then they head to Scotland and they play an ODI and a couple of T20 games. And then they head to the Netherlands and play a bunch of T20 games. So uh, that's where it's going at the moment. I can tell you the Tigers lead the Panthers 14-12 at halftime. Good comeback for them. Not looking so great for my bet of uh, the Panthers minus 7.5 at $1.90. That has to be said. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.